Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Hello, dear family. It's good to be with you. Do you see my Christmas poinsettia? Look how alive it is. It's still alive, and I'm not putting it away. I love it. Um, I love Christmas. I love the birth of our Savior. I love everything that reminds me of his birth and life for us. And the only reason that he lives for us is because he died for us. And he died to live for us that we might have life and have it to the full. I've been keeping up with a lot of the news. Um, LifeSite News is my number one source. Um, I I get all kinds of emails with others as well on the evil of the virus and what they're the vaccine and all they're doing. And I'm not a news broadcast. We are not a news broadcast, so I don't want to bring you that every day. Others do, blessed be God, and I know you can keep up as well. But we are two days from Ash Wednesday, two days from Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. And we have... Um, lots of opportunity now to walk with our Lord through his wilderness uh, 40 days, his wilderness desert, which he did in reparation for the sins of Israel that caused them to wander 40 years in the wilderness on what would have been a, um, oh, now I forget, uh, is it, I think, 20-day journey. I forget now, but they wandered for four years And so um, our Lord made reparation for them in that wilderness uh, and for other things as well, for the sins of the Israelites, for the sins of his people. And the book of Hebrews, the writer says he was tempted in all points. um, uh, Yet as we to sin, but not did not sin. He had no sin in him. But he knows what it is to be fully, 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 fully human and vulnerable He was not 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man. Not was, past tense, is. He is 100% God and 100% man. That is who we receive when we receive him in the Holy Eucharist. We receive body, blood, body, blood, soul, and divinity um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the whole Christ. And so I thought... I mentioned last week one little book by Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and I, for one, beloved, will, um, I will, how do I get this straight for you? I will um, read anything of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. I even suggested for Lenten reading, you could read his life of Christ. It took him 10 years to write that book. Absolutely magnificent. But this is, he goes here, through the seven deadly sins and associates one vice with each of the seven, um, one deadly sin with each of the seven last words on the cross. And um, it's just wonderful. Um, I'll read you the back cover. I did this last week. One day we didn't have time to complete it. Fulton Sheen, 
Sheen, S-H-E-E-N, claims that since all seven deadly sins led Christ's enemies to nail him to the cross, we can find in the example of his suffering and death sure means to overcome each of those sins. Plus, the key to understanding and to nurturing in our own soul each corresponding virtue. What is more needed for today than that? We need the evil in the world to go away. It will not go away. It is not going away at the moment. And um, I think it's just going to continue to get worse. Um, We have no power uh, to do very much about it. We can be informed. We can cease to cooperate with evil. Um, But the only power we have by the grace of God is to change us, to change our own hearts, to change our own lives, to become holy in the midst of this darkness, to light a candle in the darkness, to be holy in order to truly love our spouses, our families, our neighbors, our enemies. And so the description here is that... um, Uh, we can find in this book the example of his suffering and death. We can find in the example of his suffering and death sure means to overcome each of those sins plus the key to understanding and to nurturing in our own soul each corresponding virtue. Isn't it amazing that we take um, the seven deadly sins that nailed our Lord to the cross um, and put him to death and can see a corresponding uh, evil, a corresponding vice, deadly sin in each word that our Lord uttered, um, that resulted in each word that our Lord uttered, but also uh, the corresponding vice by which we can become holy. So, for example, in these pages, I'm still reading the back cover, published by Sophia Institute Press. For example, in these pages, filled with wisdom and hope, Bishop Sheen teaches us not only how to conquer gluttony, he shows us how to satisfy our spiritual hunger. We learn not merely how to overcome pride. We discover what we must do to grow humble. From Christ's holy response to each of the sins that led to his crucifixion, Bishop Sheen draws a lesson in how we must deal with those same sins, whether we meet them in others or in ourselves. Day after day, Christians struggle to do good, to to avoid evil, and to take up with patience and with love the crosses that threaten to crush them. For those of us who still know more of sin than sanctity, Fulton Sheen's revelation of the light that vice sheds on virtue affords a way to understand virtue better and a means to attain it. If you abide by the holy counsel in these pages, enduring virtue will soon be yours. You will have achieved your own long-sought-after victory over vice. And I have read into a couple of chapters so far, and um, I know that it's utterly trustworthy by Bishop Sheen, um, who has dedicated this to the Mother of Sorrows in humble petition for victory over vice. Um, And the first word of the cross is, Father, forgive them. 
They know not what they do. I've always been um, uh, curious about that. And when I first ever read that verse in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, when I first read that, um, I said, just a minute, just a minute. Um, What do you mean, Lord? They don't know what they're doing. They spit on him. They spit on you. They nailed you to a cross. They mocked you. They did everything. They stripped your garment. What do you mean they don't know what they do? And the Apostle Paul answers that. He said, if we knew that he was the Lord of glory, if we knew who he was, we would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But we didn't know. And sin is, why do they not know what they do? Number one, they had no idea who he was, or they would have been prostrate on their faces before him, had they understood that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But secondly, sin is blind. Total ignorance. Ignorance nailed him to the cross. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know he was the Son of God. So Bishop Sheen says this, the first um, deadly sin uh, that corresponds with our Lord's words, Father, forgive them, they do, for they do not know what they do, is anger. And I can just picture that, that um, hysterical, angry mob, crucify him, crucify him. I, uh, it goes through my heart like stabs every single um, Lent prior to Easter when we recount that scene in, in church. I'm going to begin to read this now. We're in, uh, the first word is anger. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Luke chapter 23, Bishop Sheen writes, the one passion in man that has deeper roots in his rational nature than any other is the passion of anger. Anger and reason are capable of great compatibility because anger is based upon reason, which weighs the injury done and the satisfaction to be demanded. We are never angry unless someone has injured us in some way or we think he has. But not all anger is sinful, for there is such a thing as just anger. The most perfect expression of just anger we find in our blessed Lord's cleansing of the temple, passing through its shadowed doorways at the festival of the Pasch, that's the Passover. He found greedy traitors victimizing at every turn the worshipers who needed lambs and doves for the temple sacrifices. Making a scourge of little cords, he moved through their midst with a calm dignity and beautiful self-control even more compelling than the whip. The oxen and sheep he drove out with his scourge. With his hands he upset the tables of the money changers who scrambled on the floor after their rolling coins. With his finger he pointed to the vendors of doves and bade them leave the outer court and to all he said, Take these things hence, and make not the house of my father a house of traffic. There's the music for our first break, dear ones. We'll be back after the break with a bit little more Bishop Sheen, and at the half break we will take your calls and your emails, your questions, your text. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Wayne Hepler, founder of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer. If you are looking for a way to grow closer to our Lord, I invite you to visit our Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The rustic setting provides a quiet atmosphere for prayer and for learning about the public communal prayer of the Catholic Church known as the Liturgy of the Hours. The seven canonical hours are prayed throughout the day, beginning with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 p.m. You are welcome to join in the prayer at any time or to book the house for a retreat. We are located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. For more information or to book a visit, email info at liturgyofthehours.org or call the retreat house at 814-676-1910. You can also learn more by visiting liturgyofthehours.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear family, dear beloved people, to Mother Miriam Live. We are right uh, at the beginning of reading a, bish- a book. I was going a, a book by Bishop Sheen, um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, "A Victory Over Vice." There it is. It's published by. Um, I did something right now. It's published by Sophia Press, and it is just wonderful as everything is that is. Um, published by, um, written by, oh, I just had a little glitch here. We're good. That is written by Bishop Sheen. So um, call Sophia Press and let them sell out of the book. That's okay. It's a wonderful book for changing us during event, making us more like the one who gave his life for us. And I continue now with the first word of, of our Lord from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Archbishop Fulton Sheen has matched a deadly vice to each word that crucified our Lord. And this first vice, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do, is anger. And I continue. Here was fulfilled... And that is in our Lord's cleansing of the temple, which he gave as an example of just anger, righteous anger. Here was fulfilled the injunction of the scriptures, 
be angry and sin not. For anger is no sin under three conditions. If the cause of anger is just, for example, defense of God's honor. If it is no greater than the cause demands, that is, if it is kept under control. And if it is quickly subdued, that is, to quote um, Paul's words, let not the sun go down upon your anger. Here we are not concerned with just anger, but with unjust anger. That's the vice. Namely, that which has no rightful cause. Anger that is excessive, revengeful, and enduring. The kind of anger and hatred against God that has destroyed um, religion on one-sixth of the earth's surface, the kind of hatred that is not only directed against God, but also against fellow men, and is farmed, sorry, fanned by the disciples of class conflict who talk peace but glory in war. Just look what's happening with all the riots in this country. They glory at war. Some have no idea what they're fighting against, what they're burning buildings for, smashing windows. They're just doing it. The red anger that rushes the blood to the surface and the white anger that pushes it to the depths and bleaches the face, the anger that seeks to get even, to repay in kind, bump for bump, punch for punch, eye for eye, lie for lie, the anger of the clenched fist, prepared to strike not in defense of that which is loved, but in offense against that which is hated. In a word, the kind of anger that will destroy our civilization unless we smother it by love. That's what's happening now. We have an anger that is destroying our our civilization for the sake of it. And the only way that it can be cured is to smother it with love. And the only way that can happen is for you and I individually to become holy, to walk in love, and to spread the truth of the gospel in love, speaking the truth in love to every soul. Our blessed Lord came to make reparation for the sin of anger, first by teaching us a prayer, quote, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, and we say, well, God, I, 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 God's not forgiving me. And, and God would say, well, you asked me to forgive you as you forgive others. Have you forgiven that, that person? Oh, no, you kidding? God, do you know what he's done to me? You know what she's done to me? Well, God said, then I guess you don't want me to forgive you because you're asking me, rightly so, to forgive you as you forgave others others. Yeah, but I've never done to anybody what that person did to me. Oh, is that right? Is there any one of us who has not put him on the cross? It is sin that killed the Savior. Not one of us is innocent. Not one. There is no one without sin. Only the Blessed Mother. He not only gave us a prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, but he gave us also a precept, 
love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. And didn't he do that? We were his enemies. We nailed him to the cross, and he came to earth to do good to us who hated him and put him to death. More concretely still, he added, whosoever will force thee one mile, go with him another two. If a man take away thy coat, let go thy cloak also unto him. Revenge and retaliation were forbidden. Quote, you have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, love your enemies. These precepts were made all the more striking because our Lord practiced them. He taught them. He wrote them. He taught them. He practiced them. When the Gerasenes became angry at him because he put a higher value on an afflicted man than a herd of swine, Scripture records no retort, and entering into the boat, he passed over the water. To the soldier who struck him with a mailed fist, he meekly responded, If I've spoken evil, give testimony of the evil. But if well, why strikest thou me? The perfect reparation for anger was made on Calvary. We might also say that anger and hate led our Lord up that hill. His own people hated him, for they asked for his crucifixion. The law hated him, for it forsook justice to condemn justice. The Gentiles hated him, for they consented to his death. The forests hated him, for one of its trees bore the burden of his weight. The flowers hated him as they wove thorns for his brow. The bowels of the earth hated him as it gave its steel as hammer and nails. Then, as if to personalize all that hatred, the first generation of clenched fists in the history of the world stood beneath the cross and shook them in the face of God. Even today, the hearts of their descendants freeze into fists. This is very painful for me to read because I'm of that people. I'm of the Hebrew race. This is very, very painful. But I can tell you I put him to death. I put him to death. There is no one without sin. He came. Did the Romans put him to death? They were players. Did the Jews put him to death? They were players. But it's sin that killed the Savior. He came to die for sin. My sin and your sin. As we contemplate those clenched fists, we cannot help but feel that if ever anger would have been justified, if ever justice might have fittingly judged, if ever power capital P, might have rightfully struck, if ever innocence, capital I, might have lawfully protested, if ever God might have justly revenged himself against man, it was at that moment, at the cross. And yet, just at that second, when a sickle 
and a hammer combined to cut down the grass on Calvary's Hill to erect a cross and drive nails to the hands to render impotent the blessings of love incarnate, he like a tree that bathes in perfume, the axe that kills it, lets fall from his lips for the earth's first hearing, the perfect reparation for anger and hate, a prayer for the army of clenched fists, the first word from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The greatest sinner may now be saved. The blackest sin may now be blotted out. The clenched fist may now be opened. The unforgivable may now be forgiven. While they were most certain that they knew what they were doing, he seizes upon the only possible palliation of their crime and urges it upon his heavenly father with all the ardor of a merciful heart. Ignorance. They know not what they do. If they did know what they were doing, as they fashioned love to a tree and still went on doing it, they would never be saved. They would be damned. If they knew what they were doing, but I knew they nailed him to a cross. They knew they stripped him. They knew they spit on him. They knew they cursed him. They knew they ordered their cruci- his crucifixion. They knew all that. But they were ignorant. They were ignorant. Their unconscious ignorance. This word from the cross, says Bishop Sheen, teaches us two lessons. The reason for forgiving is ignorance, and there are no limits to forgiveness. I'm going to read that again. The reason for forgiving is ignorance, and there are no limits to forgiveness. If there's no limits to forgiveness, dearest, there's no limits to counting um, someone's actions as ignorance. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. It changed my whole life. I'm scarred for life. I'm destroyed. They were ignorant. No, they weren't. They knew what they were doing. Yes, they did. Just as much as the Jews knew what they did when they yelled crucified. They were ignorant, stupid, and blind, and ignorant, acting as animals. And so do we. So, uh, did the person who abused you, who um, hurt you, who you figured destroyed your life did that person know what he or she was doing they sure knew no they didn't they did what they did just as we nailed christ to the cross by our sins but we were ignorant and so are they they had no idea what your life would become they were stupid and blind and ignorant and selfish and that's what sin does it's blind and ignorant and stupid And if God could forgive us for our ignorance in putting him on the cross, who are we to not forgive those who have sinned against us? We've sinned against holy God. They have sinned against a sinner. Not an easy message, beloved, but it's the only way we'll become whole is to understand and to forgive. 
We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. At the Station of the Cross, we understand that life circumstances can affect your giving options, whether by moving or by switching banks and credit card numbers. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. Um, and so you are welcome, welcome, welcome to call in <clears throat> with anything on your heart. Toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We are going to take a text um, and again, did I tell you? I think I told you the number. You can text it that number as well, one 511 We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. <clears throat> I love, respect, support, and submit to my husband to the best of my ability. I feel uncared for by my husband because he has begun many home projects but has finished very few. About once a year, I ask, even beg him to finish them or hire someone to do so. Neither have happened. Neither ever happens. I am not able to finish them myself and do not feel comfortable going over his head to hire someone. Some projects were begun and abandoned 20 years ago. I feel sadness and frustration when I look around my home. I don't understand <clears throat> why he won't finish them. He knows that it is important to me 
because he knows that I love to organize and that I try to keep our home tidy. Do you have any advice? Hold on a moment. My first response, dear one, is that God has put the two of you together because iron sharpens iron. Um, His personality and uh, defects go against yours, and yours go against him. Um, Someone who does not finish projects, does not follow through, um, the last thing they want is someone who is going to bug them or beg them to do it. It it drives them either further into an isolation. Um, The only advice I have is for you to let it all go to let it all go. When we get to heaven, everything will be perfect. Let it all go. Don't hire people to finish what he started unless he wants to. Don't beg him. Never beg him. Don't push him. Forget the projects and just love him. You say you love, respect, support, and submit, but you know, like the little boy, the mother says, Johnny, sit down. No. Johnny, sit down. No. One, two, and Johnny sits down before the mother hit three because he knows that he'll have a sore rear end if he doesn't. And so he sits down and he says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, you see. So your love, respect, support, um, and the degree to which you submit to your husband might, he may feel it's, it's, it's outward, that it's not truly inward. Nothing heals like love. And um, if you can let all those things go, let them go. Let them go. Don't ask him anything. Um, If something is urgent and it has to be done, then just say, sweetheart, um, uh, I hope it's okay with you. I'm going to finish this that you started, unless you want to, um, because... um, we have company coming and I need the chair that's broken and I want to fix whatever it is, something like that. Um, Not because you love to organize and have a tidy home. Your husband must come before your love to be tidy and you've got to let it go. This is, I think, our Lord's gift to you. You know how your job is not to have a tidy house but to get your husband to heaven and nothing but love and respect for his dignity and individuality will get him on that road. Um, God is not going to judge you on your tidying home, but how much you loved your husband, how holy you were, how um, gracious you were, uh, how inviting you are. So I would just say make your entire project, don't smother your husband, but just make your entire project love and respect. And if it's a sort of respect that's not, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, a robot-like, not, yes, sir, uh, yes, dear, nothing of that, that you truly respect and love him, it'll change his life. I know that. I know that. And all of a sudden, six months will pass, and you won't have said a thing about everything that's lying around that he started. A, a boat half finished, uh, plants half done, the garden half garden. You won't have said a thing about it. And he's going to wonder what happened. And he's going to say to you, uh, "What's? why haven't you said anything about all this? And you say, sweetheart, 
I have come to the decision that you are more important than any unfinished project. God put us together. I love you. You are the man God has for me, and I want to be the woman that God has for you. Forget everything else. I'm telling you, your husband's life will change miraculously. We have a text from Juan who says, Hi, Mother Miriam. Just a quick question. Can a Catholic marry another Catholic that calls herself a Democrat or Independent? Um, you know, that's we don't marry labels. We marry a person with certain beliefs. So if she happens to be a Democrat... Uh, then she might be ignorant of the platform of the Democrats if she's truly Catholic. If she's truly living her faith, she won't be part of a party that has thrown God out of their every word and document, um, and so forth. Um, The same thing with independent. If she's independent because she doesn't agree with the Democratic Party or the Republican, neither of them are are, are, um, uh, pictures of morality, Um, and she's independent for that reason, that might be good. I don't know. It depends upon what someone believes. This is the thing. If she claims to be Catholic, uh, our current president claims to be Catholic, but he's not. And if he insists he's Catholic, then he's in mortal sin. Uh, He says, who are you to judge, Mother Miriam? I, I don't judge anything. This is the faith. If you murder babies in their mother's wombs, you are in mortal sin. And if you pass laws that do that, you're in mortal sin. So by claiming him to be Catholic, he's in deep, deep trouble. And we need to pray for him to convert. So the issue, dear Juan, is what your fiancé believes. Does she believe what is Catholic? Does she believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church? In the communion of saints, go down the Nicene Creed, does she believe all of it? Uh, would she say sir, uh, abortion is good under any circumstance? Uh, same-sex marriage, uh, embryonic cell research, everything that is a non-negotiable to a true Catholic, she has to pass that test. Otherwise, you're not marrying a Catholic. You're marrying someone with a label who calls herself Catholic and may go to church but probably should not be receiving communion. We have a text from Barb uh, who says, I teach fourth grade catechism online this year. The children post a video response each week for the chapter studied. Then I respond to them. What is the most important message that I can give them no matter what topic we are studying? Thank you. Well, if you're in fourth grade catechism, I'm... I uh, I don't know if that's those are nine year olds. I don't know their age, and I also don't know um, the the main topic of fourth grade catechism. I don't know what you truly cover, but the most important message that you can give them in fourth grade, regardless of the topic, is that God exists and that He loves them and that He died for them, and they're not going to understand the message that God died for them if they don't understand the message that sin, their sin, put him to death. They must understand that. Their sin put him to death. It's not remote. They are involved in the story. 
they were born into sin because of the sin of our original parents. They're born into the world, separated from God because of original sin. And if they leave the world that way, they will be in hell for all eternity because that's what original sin has done. The only way we can escape hell is by understanding that our Lord, that God, came to earth, took on flesh through the Virgin Mary, became one of us while never ceasing to be God, and died on the cross for the sin that we are guilty of. Why did he die? Because the scriptures say the wages of sin is death, that what we've earned by our sin is death. If you have a job, explain to them. If they mow someone's lawn and they've agreed to a certain price, um, they've earned that money. They've earned a wage. Their wage is coming to them. It's justice. Well, God said the wages of sin is death. In other words, that's what we've earned. Death, spiritual death, is to be in hell forever. It Physical death is the fruit of sin also, but Adam and Eve fell from grace and they died spiritually, and we come into the world spiritually dead. And the only way that we can have life, life with God, and be forgiven is first to be baptized, and God removes through the waters of baptism our original sin and pours his life into us so that we could have life with God. And every time we sin after that, after our baptism, whether we're baptized as a a newborn infant or at 90 years old, it makes no difference. Every sin after that, we need to account for. We need to go to God for forgiveness and say, Lord Jesus, you died for me. Um, I can't do anything to earn forgiveness. I cannot do anything to earn your love. Jesus did that for me on the cross. And because of his death, I ask your forgiveness, um, um, asking uh, you to apply the death and the blood of Jesus to my sins. And then you have a firm purpose to never sin again. And if you do sin again, you go and confess your sins again. And you say, not because uh, I fear the pains of hell, which I do, but as we grow in love for God, it's because we um, uh, fear offending God and his love because he did such a great act of love for us. And it's because he didn't stay dead that he rose from the dead that we can have life if we put our trust and faith in him. And if we're Catholic, we need to keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my command. I love you, Lord, but I don't agree with this. Well, I don't agree with the teaching of the church. Then you're not Catholic. If you disagree, four-year-olds can under, fourth-grade catechism can understand this. If you disagree with a single teaching of the church that has been claimed to be infallible, binding on the faithful, it's what it means to be Catholic, then you are not Catholic, then you are Protestant. One teaching is all it takes. Come on, I I mean, I don't believe in this, that you can't have an abortion. I don't believe, what about that girl who was raped? I I don't believe she can't have an abortion. Well, then you don't believe what the church teaches, 
and you're not Catholic, you're Protestant. No, I'm Catholic. I go to church. I receive communion. Well, maybe you shouldn't be receiving communion until you confess that you are in rebellion against God's teaching. God is the author of life. It is not for anyone to take anyone's life in the womb. So, Barb, and there's an awful lot involved, but it is to understand the gospel. The message of salvation is the message of God's love, um, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why did he give him? To the point of death, because that's how awful sin is before God, and that's what it took to save us, the death of his own son, who rose from the dead to give us life. They have to understand that and that they are accountable for every sin they need to go to confession, whether it's venial or mortal. They don't have to go to uh, confession for venial sin, but they will live a sinful life if they don't. There's the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break, and you can call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. Mother Miriam is a Catholic nun on a mission to bring Jesus and a message of hope to a world that has lost its way. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, and I am thrilled to welcome you to Mother Miriam Live. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite news you will be able to listen and watch mother miriam live on youtube and facebook at the station of the cross including past episodes on podcast god bless you listen on your local station of the cross affiliate and our free iCatholic radio mobile app or watch the mother miriam live video stream on facebook and youtube by searching the station of the cross that's mother miriam live each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m eastern on the station of the cross Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. Um, and, you know, I've been reminded to um, mention to you what LifeSite News has done. They've set up a Life Funder um, 
an account on lifefunder.com for those who wish to contribute to our new home. We did close on our new home, but there is much work to be done, construction and painting, and and now um, we are looking for still a larger home. So um, we're not going to be free of, of financial need, and this is the first time since we moved to Beloit that we've ever even mentioned any need. We've never, ever raised money since our beginning. Um, and so... Uh, I want to thank all those who have given and mentioned uh, to you again um, uh, how grateful I am to LifeSite News and their lifefunder.com forward slash D-O-M-M-O-I-H. Daughters of Mary, D-O-M, Mother of Israel's Hope, M-O-I-H. So lifefunder.com forward slash D-O-M-M-I-H. And... um, uh, we still have a bit to go. I think it looks like we're 18% funded with 36 days to go. So um, I go on there uh, once every day or every other day and read all your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful comments. It is so encouraging, dear ones. It is so heartening. We've spent so many years in a bit of a wilderness ourselves, and now um, with with such a wonderful Holy Shepherd and Bishop Gerald Vinke and a very um, holy, wonderful, courageous priest in Father Con- Jarrett Conradi. I am, I'm just um, blessed. We are blessed. We are thrilled to be here. We had another woman enter uh, this past Saturday, and um, the little house is going to be filled very fast, so we need a larger one. And... Um, and the little house will then become our guest house. Not so little. Two floors, 2,400 square feet, but it's, it will be our guest house. So uh, God bless you, and um, thank you. Thank you. A big hug to all who have contributed to the LifeFunder.com um, campaign. Um, we're going to take another email. And again, if you want to call in, one 511 We have an email from James who says, Why did Pope Francis congratulate the U.S. President Joseph Biden on his victory when it is known that um, he, Joseph Biden, is in favor of abortion given his current legislation. He's truly not a Catholic in good standing. He's been refused by priests from receiving Holy Communion on several occasions. Well, blessed be God, he should be refused Holy Communion on every occasion. Um, because he is in mortal sin if he claims to be a Catholic. And to receive communion in mortal sin is to commit mortal sin upon mortal sin. So we need to pray for our president's conversion. Why did Pope Francis congratulate the U.S. President Joseph Biden on his victory? Um, I can't tell you what's in Pope Francis's heart. Uh, The USCCB did the same thing, and I was just cut to the core, grieved to the core. Um, Instead of congratulating him, those shepherds need to admonish him, teach him, bring him back to the faith, warn him of the dangers of hell if he continues in his positions. Instead, they congratulate him. I'm, I'm floored by it myself. Um, it, it seems that um, people's agendas 
again, I can't speak personally for the Pope or personally for the USCCB, um, but people's agendas, money, um, all the evil that's growing in the world seems to be um, on the top of the list before God's gospel, before holiness, before getting souls to heaven. That's what it seems to me. I cannot speak for why the Pope did that. Um, I cannot imagine a Pope, a bishop, a cardinal, a priest congratulating a man who claims to be Catholic um, uh, for becoming president when he is spreading nothing but evil and his own soul is in peril. And nothing's a surprise. He said it all, that if he was president, he would do everything that he is doing. So, James, um, I think the days are evil, and I cannot see any good in that at all, but I cannot speak for why Pope Francis did it. Um, I can have opinions, um, but I'm not going to speak those totally. I just can tell you how puzzled I am that the shepherds of the church would um, congratulate a soul in deep, deep, deep sin who is the cause of millions and millions of babies being murdered in their mother's wombs. I have no understanding of that uh, at all. So let me just go on to another email. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Um, Let me just see. Um, We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Dear Mother, thank you so much for your show. It is beautiful and brings me peace in a very lonely and confusing time. I have something that's been on my mind for a long time. Ever since I can remember, I always thought... I wish I were a boy. So obviously, this is written by someone uh, anonymously, but obviously it's a female because she says, I always thought, quote, unquote, I wish I were a boy. And she writes, I'm in my late teens now. When I was little, I would imagine I was a boy. As I got older, I came across the term transgender. So I got involved with that kind of stuff. I knew it was wrong and hid it from my family. I would sneak out and dress in men's clothes, etc. But then I realized that no matter how hard I tried, I could never forget Jesus or go to bed without saying my prayers. It was dumb trying to fool myself. I knew there was a God. I'm better now. I stopped hanging out with bad influences, and I really hope to go to confession soon. I have not been to confession in five years. My dear anonymous, dear soul, um, I'm going to beg you to do whatever it takes to go to confession today. Don't even wait till next Sunday. Call a priest in the nearby church and tell him that you are in mortal sin um, and you, I don't know if you've been in mortal sin, if you're Catholic and you haven't been to confession um, in five years and you've been to church, I, I don't know what to make of all that, but I wouldn't go to bed another night without going to a priest and knowing that you're forgiven. It's, I'm not telling you you're in mortal sin. I cannot tell you that. I don't have enough information, but you need to go to confession. It is hard keeping all of this in, of course. I wish I had a good Catholic friend to talk about this with. 
I tried to tell my mom, but she just got angry. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm sorry for that, dear one. What would you tell someone experiencing gender dysphoria? Thank you so much for reading my email, and God bless. I would tell someone uh, experiencing that sort of confusion uh, to conclude just what you concluded, dear one, that there is a God, that he did create you, that you are a girl, that God is not confused, um, that you may have be tomboyish and have male features, characteristics, just as there are men who are softer than um, he, uh, some heroes, uh, strong men, but they are fully men. Um, you are a girl. There's no confusion, sweetheart. Learn fully who you are and draw near to God and you will find a love and a fulfillment and a completeness that you will never find anywhere else as you will find in growing closer to God and letting him love you. Oh, that's the close of our program, dear ones. We'll speak with you tomorrow.